0: Well, New Zealand, our great, glorious leader, has decided to play the compassionate hero once again. Despite being the cause of most of our problems, along with socialism, she's also the solution. It's, it's incredible, as the mask mandates are all but dropped, and the traffic light system that treated us all like children, and you know, read when, when it was too dangerous and mummy said it was too dangerous, It was red, we all had to just stop, stop what we're doing. And then the orange came in, I was like, oh be careful, you can do some things. But only if you've done the right thing in the first place, jabbed up, QR coded in, worn your mask, you can do some things. And then we never really got to green. Because, well that was just, I I don't know, the bulb was broken or something. They never put the bulb in. Who knows, who knows. We're going to go into that story. Uh, Also, the Ministry of Transport is looking at bringing in, surprise, surprise, a digital driver's license. Gee, I wonder where they got that idea from. And also, stick around for the last video I want to play. It's at the end of the episode about Joe Biden. It's really interesting. It's from R.C. Sproul, and he's talking in the early 90s about Joe Biden. So stick around for that one. But... Before I leap into all of this, welcome to the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast. Commentary, comedy, and conversation. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and comment. Okay, so as most of you are probably now aware, New Zealand has decided mask mandates, for the most part, not completely gone, but for the most part... ...have been dropped and the traffic light system, as I mentioned in the intro, out the door. And I'll I'll just read some of the, the highlights from the, the conference, not really highlights... ...from the press conference yesterday with the Prime Minister. I'll spare you having to listen to it, because I couldn't do that, so why would I make you do that? I'll just read you some of what was said. And then we'll go into a little bit of the the media reaction... To what is now being done, and also, you know, their favorite epidemiologists come back into the media and just, oh, they're, they're a bit concerned. We all still need to be very, very careful. Uh, very interesting, actually. I went into the supermarket uh, this morning, and this is the first day after the mask mandates are basically dropped for supermarkets and things. Now, I haven't been wearing one for two years, two and a half, however long it's been. You've completely lost track of time with all of this nonsense but it was just really interesting walking to the supermarket because for the most part people were still wearing them I would still say about 90% maybe in the supermarket have been and places like that have been wearing masks for two years and I went so I went in there this morning and probably about 40% of people are wearing masks so it's the day after that the government has said you no longer have to wear them now. The supermarket has taken its mask signs down because you know they're all fully compliant. The big business has got to be fully compliant with the government, and uh, but yeah, about forty percent of people still wearing them, which means let's say roughly roughly forty percent of people have decided to take off their masks because the government said that they could, that it was now okay to do so. And interestingly, the demographic that seemed to be Still, quite heavily masked up were the over sixty fives, the and well, the elderly basically, and they have, of course, been completely and utterly scared into wearing this, uh, going along with all of this, and and that the Voldemort virus is, you know, the the biggest threat to them that they could possibly imagine. The, we all know the fair, the fear campaign was next level, and I think it's just going to continue for a lot of these these old folks sadly and unfortunately it's still going to be a uh, mandatory to wear masks in places like old folks homes and uh, and the doctor's offices and things like that what makes me incredibly sad about the particularly the old folks homes the retirement villages and stuff like that is you've got people living their last days seeing almost no faces because it's mandated that you must wear masks. And, I'm to, and I, I believe when they get visits from family and friends into their rooms, they have to be separated into their own room, the masks can be removed. But when it's in public, the public areas and the common areas that they have there, most staff are always masked up. I think that is incredibly depressing. If I was an old person living out my last days in one of these places... And everyone was masked up. I, I don't even know how some of them cope at all. There's just no facial expressions, no emotions, nothing. They just must be incredibly. Conv- Imagine having dementia and being in these places, and people were just in there with masks. It would just you'd be terrified every day, and you wouldn't you'd be confused, you wouldn't know what was going on. I think it's an incredibly destructive thing to do, and. Look, granted, if you got if you are sick, got the flu or something like that, you shouldn't be going into work or into any of these old folks' homes. That is fair enough, but for healthy people to be masking masking up, and for us to all be now scared of each other because of the germs that we're going to spread. Wow, I mean, the the germ phobia. How easy, how easy it was to get people to be utterly terrified of just life, just normal life. Now, what was actually said at this press conference, uh, this, this, this government conference and the media conference, I don't know what they call it these days, um, was interesting. I'll just read some of Ardern's quotes, highlights. So Ardern said, COVID had taken a toll on people's mental health. She saw that, especially in children. Of course, her and her cronies are the ones that put masks on children in schools. They are the ones that did it, which is, in my opinion, child abuse, completely and utterly unnecessary, and the masks don't work. And How are kids going to even wear them properly anyway? And if a kid's sick, they just don't go to school. How about that? No, you had to mask up. I can't remember the age range. Was it 10 and up? Something like that. You had to mask up the children and terrify the kids. And you got kids walking to school in the sunshine with their masks on. It was just utter madness. And don't don't worry about the negative health effects. Don't worry about the the psychological damage that you're doing to children, the learning that they're missing out on, the development, all of that sort of stuff. You can find these papers. We've read them several times over the last year or so about the damage that masks actually do and young people and particularly children should not be wearing them at all and yet here we are with Jacinda Ardern saying she has seen the toll on people's mental health and she saw that especially in children yet she did it so now you're admitting that that was a mistake or not there was no apology that I've seen or heard at all the first thing they should have come out and said, we apologise, we got this wrong. They're never going to do that. They don't think they got it wrong at all. The reason that this st- sort of stuff is now changing is because they're in trouble in the polls. And yes, we do have an election coming up next year. Ardun also said, uh, some places, such as workplaces, special events, or marae, may ask you to wear a mask. But this will be at their discretion and no longer a government requirement. Please respect those who choose to keep wearing masks as a form of protection. Like they respected all of us who didn't wear a mask the entire time that you know that was just respect and kind wasn't it just demonizing those sorts of people and not allowing them into into places into restaurants into wherever dairies and there were masks up here everywhere no no mask no entry even churches for a while wouldn't let people in now i know for a fact that there's some uh, workplaces out there that are texting their staff saying the government mandates have dropped but we would like you to keep wearing Your masks. I'm not sure how much uh, legal sway they have there, but I guarantee you that there will be people in those jobs that will are now just so broken that and they're so used to doing it that they think it's normal. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen people. uh, People have said to me that, "Oh, it's no big deal. It's a little bit irritating, but it's not a big deal. I just do it anyway." That's you want things like this to end. You're doing something that doesn't work, and you're going to continue to do the thing that doesn't work, even though you've already been sick and got all the so-called medicines yet you still got sick and you're still going to continue to wear masks because the government said so after the thing is when the mask mandates came in as soon as people put them on it was over because after a few weeks if you haven't taken them off it's very very hard to psychologically stop doing those sorts of things very hard to go against the herd very hard and now it's kind of going to be swung the other way where it's the the masked people that are going to be the uncommon sight in society. But uh, New Zealand originally, we're a, we're a kind, caring country. We do, we do we do it for the good of the collective. So most people went along with it regardless, even if they thought it was a little bit silly. They still, I mean, you're watching these big, <laughs> big the weirdest thing was watching these big tough guys get out of their, you know, their jeeps and, and utes and things with, beards and they get up to the door and they oh they find their little mask in their pocket and they put it around their face i mean what is it's just it was just absolutely ludicrous hilarious to watch but i mean even with a beard there's, there is zero point there might be some point wearing a mask if you are unwell to limit your spread of whatever you're coughing out that that may have if you're wearing the proper stuff some effect sure okay the also the pro, i mean the problem there with the bearded people the bearded and i'm i'm not i'm not going to discriminate here ladies if you want to grow a beard you can grow a beard it's it's twenty twenty two women can grow beards we can just be like the dwarves in the original lord of the Rings, not the new lord of the rings apparently the new lord of the rings the the bearded woman aren't there weird anyway but i mean it actually gets you thinking doesn't it how many people during the pandemic shaved their beard because the government or epidemiologists in their country said that you need a tight-fitting mask and they did it to, they sacrificed their beard maybe someone had been growing a beard or had a beard for 20 years or more and they just shaved it for COVID I mean it wouldn't matter you covering up your face anyway no one's seeing you but I do wonder how many people they scared into doing that as well but yeah I, I mean I've seen these big strong men with beards wearing face masks face masks over their beds very very funny because they're absolutely pointless anyway we're supposed to respect the people that are still choosing to wear them but when it was the other way around it was like firstly people were getting i got abused a lot of people got abused for not wearing them i got abused a lot from various different people out in public but then eventually the government came around and said "Uh, some people have um exemptions and you need to be kind and just Uh, you know you need to be show a little bit of empathy for the for those that are exempt but they were very very uh sure to point out the exempt word in there because anybody else that didn't look like they should be exempt but weren't wearing one oh you shouldn't be kind to them what that's not what was said but it wasn't not said either so it's been a very strange and sometimes vicious two years. Ardern also said, back to this little highlight, air quotes, highlights. Ardern also said, changes we have made are significant. We take control back. No, no, you've, you've been in control the entire time. And you psychologically broke this country. She says, this will be the first summer in three years where our borders are fully reopened now they had to give us the summer because there is a lot of grumbling going on in in the public and as i've mentioned politically they took uh the a little bit lower in the polls lately I i still don't understand how they get as much votes as they as they do and them and the greens it's just madness but with an election coming up next year if they had continued with all these rules over summer there's just no way there's just absolutely no way people would have voted for them but here we are they're going to relax it a little bit over summer and then wind into the election season next year which is always so much fun to live through so there you go she's playing the uh the, the compassionate person the hero that we need you know we're taking back control over COVID COVID's been in charge of the country for two years I don't know where COVID was apparently sitting on some sort of throne in New Zealand Parliament but Ardern's now taking back control it sounds even scarier to me but you know they've been they, they did this it wasn't it wasn't COVID I've I'm kind of given up saying Baltimore virus now I, I know oh well we'll just go with it we know it wasn't COVID that disrupted our lives. It was governments. And behind them, it was big organisations such as the UN, the WHO, those types of people and groups. And behind them, we can mostly only speculate. Now, with this news, of course, the media reaction the next day is, oh no, what are we doing? COVID's going to get us. And they bring back some of the usual epidemiologists, Mr. Mr. Michael Baker's back with his Serious little concerned face in his very thick, uh, thick-rimmed thick black glasses. Make him look very, very serious and very concerned. Very concerned fellow. And I'll, I'll just read some of the headlines because it's just kind of amusing. Travellers likely to become main driver of virus spread, says the expert. The expert being Mr. Michael Baker. Uh, another, another headline. This is from Radio New Zealand. Another headline. PM Jacinda Ardern defends scrapping mask vaccine mandates for now. (laughs) There it is. It's for now. We'll just just give them summer. We'll give them summer and then once people start getting a little bit more sick, maybe we'll just have to bring it, ease it back in and she can somehow turn it and manipulate it into her being the hero again to protect all New Zealanders. Another headline. COVID-19 rules mostly scrapped will masks be missed question mark of course the whole mask mandate stuff really was a boon for the people with you know weird chins or funny lips or funny teeth cover up a few of your flaws i can actually i can imagine actually that that has been the case that a lot of people have just found it great to be able to cover up and be a nobody out there to go into places because I've had people talk to me that have known me that I didn't recognise at all I've been standing next to people in stores that I later realised were my friends who who didn't say anything and friends and family I didn't recognise them at all so there's been a, a real anim, anim, <laughs> I can never pronounce that word anonymity <laughs> I'm not going to try and say that again about it and um, yeah I can imagine that there's been there's a lot of a bit of nervousness about taking them off for some people not just because of they perceive it as a protection and of something to stop them from getting sick because there has been some people that obviously still haven't got this. I think that's for other reasons, not the masks but anyway it's a, another topic for another day. But I do think that yeah there, there's a psychological thing behind it and as I mentioned previously the if you hadn't taken it off after a few weeks of realizing this is nonsense, this is absolute nonsense and pure control. All it is is about keeping people afraid. If you hadn't taken it off then, it was it became very, very hard for people to stand up against it. Anyway, we'll go over to one of our favourite sites. We'll go over to Stuff and see some of their headlines. Stuff, they have a live blog. I guess it's just a scrolling ticker. Someone's out there and they're reporting on their phones and getting everything live. It says live. How, Ki- how Kiwis are dealing with almost no COVID rules. Today... You don't have to wear a mask to board a bus or enter a shop, but many are choosing to do so anyway. So it's a live blog; they're keeping us up to date. They're on the streets, keeping us up to date. Uh, they're talking about. There's another headline talking about the daily case numbers. Apparently, they're still doing that. Not not sure how often, but maybe it was just today, giving an update today because you know the rules are dropped, so we have to be very aware of how many people are sick right now and how many are in the hospital. They also have a headline saying Pacific Mental Health Survey to focus on climate crisis. And COVID-19. And, of course, the PM mask requirements. May return if COVID case is rise. So there's some of the reaction in some of what's going on in your New Zealand. Unfortunately, though, the madness in this country doesn't end there. It just continues to escalate. As the transport agency, otherwise known as, and they really, 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 really want us to use these words, waka kōtahi but we're going to go with the transport agency as the media would point out well if you don't use the maori word you're racist and a bigot so anyway the transport agency is looking at bringing in a digital driver's license for smartphones cool i think the social credit system is just a conspiracy theory can we get a fact check on that you know digital ids and everything connected you know complete control totalitarianism Not heading into a brave new world? Alright, okay. Let's have a quick nosy at this article. From Radio New Zealand. The transport agency is looking at introducing a digital driver's licence people would keep on their phones. This is likely to require changes to both the law and a rule that prescribes the form and format licences must take and when they have to be surrendered. See, isn't that interesting? If you have your licence on your phone and you get pulled over by the police or asked for ID, You have to show them your license. You have to give them your phone to show them your license. Now, what if they find a problem? What if you have to come back to the station? Wouldn't you then have to surrender your phone? What happens then? Behind the scenes. Now, I'm sure they'll come up with, oh, there'll be privacy laws. No, no, no. They won't mean a damn thing, and we all know it. Now, the Ministry of Transport said in an Official Information Act response, so... Radio New Zealand or whoever, whoever, whatever journalist got this information had to get this through an OIA, I think is what they call it in New Zealand, which is just the Freedom of Information Act type of uh, request, basically. So the Official Information Act response, it has a team, according to that response, it has a team looking at legislative and operational fixes. It was at a very early stage, said the Chief Digital Officer Liz Maguire, No privacy or risk assessments had been done yet. Shouldn't that be the first thing you do? Shouldn't that be the first thing that you're doing? It sounds like we're going to do it anyway. So we'll get to the privacy risk assessments later on and we'll just quickly rush them together because we have to. Sounds like that's going to be the case. A board paper on a digital strategy the agency is working on has pictures that suggest a digital license... Could include dates for when a warrant of fitness and registration are due. It's for your car in New Zealand, a WAF as we call it. And what tolls have not been paid. Oh, so you're just going to link all that. Cool. Going to link what vehicles you own, what licenses you have, what fines you haven't paid. Gee. Sounds pretty social credity to me. A quote from the paper that they got from the Information Act, official request. A digital driver's license is a secure identification that proves you have the right to drive. The paper says a digital driver's license is a secure. You know what's more secure? Just having a driver's license in your hand, just having a card with your your details on it that you can keep without it being online and digital. It seems more secure to me. So, but they're they're always going to push the positive so secure no disagree then they say having easy access to your driver's license on your smartphone means it's always on hand when you need it oh you know just that wallet that you carry around with your card in it well, it's just a bit inconvenient see we can make things easier this is how they push stuff this is like the fpos uh, digital currency episode i did last week if you haven't listened to that episode yet it's how they pushed fpos and eventually how we got chips into our cards and how we started calling them debit and credit cards because they want you to be positive association with one side and then how you can just go up and pay it's just click and swipe and now you can do it with your phone as well it's just oh you just tap it tap and goes it was the how they advertised it just tap and go and now pretty much everybody does that just taps and goes of course that means you're spending more money of course it means all that data is gathered up and collected they know Everything. Who's they? Exactly. You should be questioning that. Who's getting all that data? Now, this is where it gets even worse. An internal email, back to the article, an internal email links the digital driver licence to the government's wider digital identity framework, which may launch next year, and under which people would be able to, uh, to access large numbers of public and private services by first verifying their identity by submitting a photo of themselves to a biometric database that uses facial recognition. Isn't that just the direct definition of basically uh, social credit? How else is that going to be interpreted? That is the absolute foundations of it. You're putting in all, all the framework right there and you're going to get people just to willingly sign up to it am i wrong there let's read that back so it's, it's linking the digital driver's license to the government's wider digital identity framework people would be able to access large numbers of public and private services by first verifying their identity by submitting a photo of themselves to a biometric database that uses facial recognition that you're already a part of so you're already in this database so now they're going to sign up. You, you, you're putting yourself in there. How long before... I mean, facial rec- recognition is in the supermarkets here. They finally had to admit it. So how many of us do they have? Is it linked to a crime database only or what? How many photos of us have they got and it's gone through social media or some other thing where it's linked to, uh, in showing who we are? Now this particular thing that they're talking about is us doing it ourselves and them getting us to sign on to it kind of how they did with the medicines that they pushed in the qr code scanning almost like they were prepping us and priming us to accept this evil shit now the department of internal affairs the dia is leading this work Quote, it was interesting to to discuss the impact of digital technology in the transport sector and how it's envisaged that the Ministry of Transport will use the Department of Internal Affairs information to verify the information that the Ministry of Transport holds and use this information in line with the Digital Identity Trust Framework, the email in May this year said. Just this single email was provided in response to Radio New Zealand's request for all substantive, uh, substantive, is that how you say that word? Substantive, yeah, anyway, correspondence between senior uh, Ministry of Transport Managers or the board about digital driver's licenses. So if that doesn't scare you, you are unscarable, my friend. That's the tyranny that is coming in. Subtly, under the radar that people aren't actually paying attention to. Now I wonder how many people realised what was happening when they were all signing in using their bloody phones and the QR codes and the scanning in. I mean the only time that I, I, I never did that at all. They had to have their um, little information sheets at stores because for a long time their stores had to have these codes. You, you must, you had to sign in otherwise you weren't allowed to shop. That was a thing too. And so, of course, people like myself go on without a mask on. They're asking you, have you scanned and certain No. Or, you you know, you say, what well, they ask you to fill in the form at, the, at the, the doorway there, your name and email and phone number. And you look at it and there's all these names and emails and phone numbers. Of course, it's much better writing it down. But why is anybody writing down their actual name, phone number and email for all the public to see as well? I thought it was crazy. Now, of course, there was people that wrote down fake names and numbers and things like that. Some, I believe, got caught and had a word, stern word too. But, of course, how are you going to catch anybody writing down either their initials or having an alias email that they never use that's not actually linked to them at all? That seems like the smart thing that people should have been doing, but... People just again. It was the ease of use of just scanning. Other oh, people sit there. Oh, it's easy to use the QR thing. Just scan it. It's it's much easier. So that's not the point. Why are you allowing all your information? Because it is. You're you're using your phone with all your personal information in it. You have no idea where that data is going. Why are you allowing government and big business to track you? Why you allow it? And I know that anyone who has these phones in some manner, uh, if you're not taking steps to try and uh, either not have one of these phones, which might be asking a little bit much in in today's age, but if you're not taking steps to at least limit that tracking, then well, I recommend that you do, I'm looking into that myself and implementing a few things, but... It's just, again, it's just the ease of use. It's just easy to do and we're we're doing it for the good of everybody. We don't want people to get sick. It's got absolutely nothing to do with that. It was priming people to accept this crap that is now coming in through the Department of Internal Affairs. Now, this is something that I'm keeping a really close eye on and the fact that this came up, uh, this story is two days ago. I missed it completely. I'm trying to keep a close, close watch on it in this country because we're seeing similar things come out in places like the Netherlands. I'm not sure what's happening in Canada with this, but I think it's the same. Uh, And and pretty much all of Europe at this point. Similar stuff coming in. Uh, But it just shows you that this story came out a couple of days ago and it was missed. It came out on September 11th. And most people, well, I haven't seen really many people posting about it. Let's just say it wasn't headline news anywhere that I saw. Now, just the side of Radio New Zealand, the other related stories to this digital driver's license, it says from July, uh, identity revealed government firms plan for national verification tech, and also from July, internal affairs lawfully allowed to use facial recognition system. But, however, th- this particular article says the driver's license photos will not be run through the one time identity facial recognition system unless a person chooses it. The transport agency says which is interesting because I think that will change if not that if not that's happening already, and that's just a complete lie or misdirection somehow oh but you didn't you didn't not tell us we couldn't do that. This is how people get all tricky about it. no, no you had to opt. Out of having your photo put in through the one-time identity facial recognition system, so unfortunately it's in there now. Whoopsie, whoopsie doodle. What are you gonna do anyway, sir? Can we help you with anything else? We know how all this works. Okay, I am going to leave those two things there, and of course, any more news about this kind of thing pops up, it's going straight into the podcast. Okay, now I want to get to this Joe Biden thing that I mentioned. So it's from R.C. Sproul and it's from, I think it's from 1991. Now if you don't know who R.C. Sproul is, he's, I was only recently introduced to him and his work by a few people online, shout out to Evelyn Ray, if you're not following her on Twitter or Instagram you should be following Evelyn Ray and also Mariah for introducing me to uh, R.C. Sproul's work. Now R.C. Sproul, Robert Charles Sproul. He is a Reformed theologian, or was, he's no longer alive, a Reformed theologian and pastor in the Presbyterian Church in America. Now, I was listening to one of his talks, and he brings up Joe Biden, and what was happening with Joe Biden back in 1991. I'll play the video, here we go. So this is him talking about Joe Biden and clarence thomas when clarence thomas was being sworn in or questioned about being sworn in to be a supreme court justice in america
1: permanent judicial committee of the united states senate to be confirmed to his appointment to the supreme court entered into an interrogation of clarence thomas about natural law and he asked judge thomas do you believe in natural law and Judge Thomas's response was sort of this way, like, of course. It's built into the Declaration of Independence. It's built into the Constitution. How can I be a constitutional lawyer and reject natural law? And Senator Biden said nobody believes in that anymore. There aren't any law schools that teach natural law. Do you have anything to understand any of the consequences of that? There's no such thing as objective truth. Ethics have now been reduced to a matter matter of preferences. And whatever the ruling class prefers, that becomes the law. The very thing, by the way, that Karl Marx predicted would take place in Western civilization. And the reason for this is that contemporary America and contemporary human beings in the West have been systematically and radically cut off from eternity.
0: So there you go. No natural law, no objective truth. And that means the ruling class can do whatever they deem appropriate, whatever they want. And that, as we know, is what we've been seeing for decades and decades and decades. Now, isn't that interesting about Joe Biden? We know back then, I mean, I was far too young to know anything, what was going on, but the Clarence Thomas being sworn into the uh, Supreme Court, uh, there was a lot of shady stuff going on with accusations being thrown at him and people and some of the questioning by people like Senator at the time, Joe Biden, Now, isn't it? It's he brings so he brings up Biden. He talks about objective truth, and he's relating Biden into that. So, if Joe Biden doesn't believe in objective truth or natural law, then but but he calls himself a Christian, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure Joe Biden is a Christian in his in his words. Yeah, he's apparently is Catholic, according to USA Today. Uh, unlike Trump, Biden regularly attends church. His Catholicism has played as large a role in his life as his outsized family Bible did. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. In January 19, Harvard, <laughs> Harvard, the Harvard podcast is yes, Harvard, the university. Harvard said how Joe Biden's faith will shape his presidency. So, if being very clear on that, if Biden doesn't believe in objective truth or natural law. And he supports things like abortion. How can you say that you're a Christian? Because that is not Christian at all. That's not following your faith. And we know that. We know the hypocrisy of of that man. We know the alleged corruption of that man and his son and the whole laptop thing that's come out. And if you just go look at him as a senator... Some of the highlights, highlights, I still don't, that word, it's the wrong word isn't it, some of what he's said and done over the years, and even, was it Barack Obama that said something along the lines of don't underestimate Joe's ability to mess things up, I'll put it politely, I'm not sure if Obama said that or not, I heard it somewhere on a podcast, it might have been the Dan Bongino show, but I just thought that that video from R.C. Sproul back in 1991, so we're talking 20 years ago, how this man has had a position like that in US politics, being a senator for so long, then being the vice president under Obama, and now being the president. It's just it's beyond me. It's an absolute joke. And that's how you know that politics in itself is just a circus. It's just a show for the masses. It's all it is. How can somebody like that continue to be elected? Are we just idiots and fools? Just go along with the, the standard? Or is it just these are the choices that we're given? There's no other options. Or something else. Somebody wants particular people or in, in parliaments, in, in positions like being a senator. I mean, if you're somebody with influence and, and money that you can help get things passed that you want passed, you would want somebody in a position of power that is easily either manipulated or corrupted or whatever it is. And I, I things haven't changed. Things have only snowballed into something worse. And I think that the internet has brought a lot of this to light, and that's been fantastic. But the internet is also being used the other way and used to muddy the waters even more and confuse the hell out of people. To me, that is what's happening, and it's, it's the perfect tool. One, yeah, you can get information, although... The internet seems to be constantly either scrubbed of information that you can no longer find, or that particular information is attacked as a conspiracy, or some something else is thrown in to really muddy the waters. Anyway, I'm going to leave it all there for today. It's been a bit of a longer episode, but yeah, I really thought that that RC Sproll video is very, very interesting insight. And when I was listening to that talk, it's about a 50, 60 minute talk. Uh, and with Biden coming up and with Biden being our president now, it just, it's just wild stuff. Okay, all right. I'm going to talk to you again very soon. Just remember, avoid this digital identity stuff as best you can. We, we've got to move away from this. This is This is a trap. It's a trap, people. It's a trap. But this podcast isn't a trap. This podcast should be the highlight of your day or week, year. It should just be one of the highlights of your life, all right? And this podcast is the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast, commentary, comedy, and conversation. Talk to you again very soon.